We've been talking about a greater love, and we get that from Scripture. John chapter 15, verse 13, the Bible says this, There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. There's not a greater love than that. I realized this this week. I'm not really good. I'm not really good at being, I would, I would be a terrible God. That's what I'm trying to say. I would be a terrible God because my love is conditional. My love is conditional. We are, because we're humans, but God's love is unconditional. He said, man, I would lay down, I would lay down my life for you guys. And he laid down his life for you guys. Now this week, it's imperative that you don't miss this week, okay? I do not want you to miss this week. It's so, every week, every Easter we have, as a pastor for me, this will be our fourth Easter next week, they become a little bit more personal to me. They become a little bit more important to me. More people get saved. All things are important. But here's this year. Here's the thing that God impressed in my heart today is, I don't want anyone that serves, gives, loves, helps, anybody that I run with in church, I don't want them to miss this whole entire week. I really want you to find some time this week to think about the cross. I want you to find some time this week to think about all that God has done for you and for me. Embrace the whole week, okay? It's easy for us to embrace next week. Here's, here's what I worry about. Sometimes things get so um, Americanized and they get so commercialized that sometimes Easter, for a lot of us, it comes all about petting the, the little, the little uh, bunnies that we're going to have and having the little chickens next week. And it becomes all about the photo booths and getting the picture. And it's about the outfit. And um, it, it becomes all those things. The good news for us is that we had a wedding a month ago for my brother. So we already have all of our Easter outfits. Um, but if there's any grandparents that want to give us the money for me to get an outfit, I will take the money. If any of the grandparents are in here, I will, I will lovely to buy myself a new Easter outfit. And um, I did get a, a new jacket for Easter. I'm, I'm excited about wearing it. But I think sometimes we miss the importance of things because they become so commercialized. Does that make sense? Like, just nod your head. So let's not miss that. Like, uh, I know next, next week when, you, when my kids walk out of the house, they're going to see Easter bunny footprints. And I'm down with all those things. It's super cool. But as adults and as people, let's make sure even our kids. I was talking to my kids. Here's a good example. I told my kids, I said, um, my daughter says, hey, dad, we got, when, you're, when you're a pastor's kid, you want to make sure your kids know, you want to make sure your kids know about Easter, okay? Like, you want to make sure they know Christmas is about Jesus. You want to make sure that Easter is about resurrection. Like, and not just pastor's kids. You should, we should all want our kids to get this thing. So the other day, my daughter says, dad, this was two days ago, fr Friday. Dad, can we go to Dunkin' Donuts? And here's what I believe. I believe every parent suckers their kid into taking them to Dunkin' Donuts on Friday. The, out, the inside line was to the, out the door. The drive through line was, was mad crazy, but she suckered into me. I said, hey, guys, let's talk about Easter. And she said, uh, and so we're on Friday. We're on the way to school. And I said, y'all excited about Easter? What's Easter about, kids? Dinah's giving the rundown. What's Easter about? And, and Tripp's like, I, I know what today is. And he's like, because we're going to get donuts. He goes, today's Good Friday. <laughs> he's like, yo, whenever there's donuts, that's a Good Friday. And I was explaining to them that, no, next, next Friday is Good Friday. I said, why is it Good Friday? And they're like, well, I don't really know. Why do they call it Good Friday? He died on the cross for our sins. It was bad for God, but it was good for us. It, it costed him his life, but it gave us a life. He, he died at, in our place, as our place, so we could have a life. He changed our future, and he changed our every single day, and he changed our eternity. I'm so thankful that he did. So I'm trying to make sure my kids get that Easter, Good Friday he died, and then three days later he rose again. But we believe at this church there's no greater love than the love that a friend would lay down his life for his friend. Here's what we learned last week. The world needs the good news. The world needs the good news. Not only does the world need the good news, but the world needs some good news. You don't have to go very far today and get bad news. I, there's a lot of business owners in your day. I'm like, how's it going? Oh, man, tough week. 
We get that. I, I walk up to some people like, hey, how's, how's relationships going? Oh, tough week. I go up to moms like, hey, how's your kid? I'm, I'm tired of them. You know, like everybody has some bad news. It, we don't have to go very far to realize some, we need some more good news. We need some good news. We need some people telling people about the, the good news. And the good news that Jesus can change everything. Lives can be healed. Hope can be found. He can absolutely change everything about us. He can give us the peace that we need. The Bible says be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. You and I have the good news and the world needs it. And the only way for the world to get the good news is if the people who have the good news take it to them. And so last week we talked about your feet. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 52 that how beautiful are the feet of those people that take the good news to the world. I want your feet to be good. I want your feet to be the kind of feet that, that take the good news out into the street. We learned that. The Bible also told us last week that we're supposed to go into the world. So we learned last week and we're going to learn this week that we have somewhere to go. And the place that we have to go is to the world. And not only do we have somewhere to go, we've got something to say. Now, I'm glad my dad's here today because I, he, can, he can attest, in case you're like, well, that was a pastor, a stretch. I've been, my mouth has been moving my whole entire life. It has never stopped. I don't, like, my mouth doesn't even move when I'm sleeping. Like, my mouth is, I'm always talking. Diane's like, what? Diane's like, you were preaching last night. I'm like, was it good, girl? Were you saying amen? Were you saying, I like that? White boy, brown boy, black boy? Like, what were you saying? Like, was it that good? And like, here's what I know. My mouth has always been moving. I remember my dad used to say, uh, son, just can't keep your mouth shut. And I'd be like, I can't. You're right, dad. I'm like guilty as charged. You know, like the principal said it, my teacher said it, my dad said it, my mom said it. Like, I believe whatever they spoke to me, can't keep your mouth, can't keep your mouth shut. Now I realize that my mouth is supposed to be used for the glory of God and to get out the good news. You and I, we've got somewhere to go and we have something to say. And the question is, are we going to go somewhere and are we going to share the good news? It's up to you. And here's the good news for me. I get to make the answer for me. Alyssa gets to make the answer for her. Jessica gets to make the answer for her. Camille gets to make the answer for her. And for Asher, because she looks, she's one of those tough moms. If her kid don't pay attention, she'll make sure, like, we are supposed to do what God's called to do. He's called us to go into the world and to share the good news. We have something, we've got something to say. We have the good news. Why aren't we sharing it more? Why aren't we sharing it more? We have, we have the good news. <clears throat> um, I want to say this one more thing to you. I grew up in this, I, I grew up in a church where, I, I grew up, I grew up in life, listening to a lot of people talk a lot of bad things about some main, mainline speakers in, in the um, in the uh, in 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 the country, and um, I was at a conference this past week, and Joel Osteen was there. I don't care what you think about Joel Osteen. I'm gonna tell you what I think about him. I don't care what you think about him. And that's what the, the cool thing about our church is: everyone can have an opinion. They're like armpits. We all have them. They all stink. You know, like I, we can all have an opinion. <clears throat> Joel said this this week. My dad likes Joel Osteen. I, I was like, and I don't know that much about Joel Osteen, but he gets a lot of darts thrown at him. A lot of darts. A lot of darts. A lot of darts. My buddy told me, one of our overseers, like, you know, Joel Osteen, he believes the gospel. He goes, he believes the gospel. He goes, I know a lot of people are like, oh, you don't believe that Jesus came, died, and rose again. He, he said, he, he believes that. He, he does believe. He goes, I've read his statement of faith. He believes the good news. I learned something so powerful about Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen never desired to be a pastor of a church. He, when he came on staff to work for his dad, he said, Dad, I just want to make you look good. I just want to serve you, Dad. That's all I want to do. And, uh, Joel pulled a, a Ryan Prokop, and he's, he said this. This is, what, this is what he said. He said, my wife would come to me some days, and she said, where have you been at? Well, I've been at the church. She said, what were you doing? He goes, I was trying to adjust one light. I figured if I can just get this one light to look a little bit better, people would have a better experience online. He goes, I would spend three or four hours working on one light. That's the kind of guy Ryan Prokop is. Just want to make things excellent. He says, I want to, he goes, I wasn't, he goes, I'm not a preacher. He said, I'm not a preacher. You know, exactly. I'm not a preacher. I just want to love everybody. He said, there is so much bad news out there. 
I want to encourage people. And you know what he said? He said, he said, a guy come to me, he said, I will give you, I will give you 500 movie theaters and we can, we can play your message on all those. And he said, you know what? I don't want to, I'm not trying to fill my church. I'm not trying to fill my church up. He said, I want to preach the gospel and I want to fill other people's churches up. And I was like, such a powerful, because I, I, I want to fill other people's churches up. He goes, he goes, when people come to my church, he goes, I only have them for a few moments. I can't disciple them. I can't I walk them through the, everything they need to know. He goes, but if they get into a church and get into a community group, he goes, God can do what he can do in the church. I was so, I was so taken back, so taken back. He goes, I just want to get the good news out there and then get those people in other churches. You can go on his website and say, hey, I want to be a Joel Osteen affiliate church. And he'll, when people get saved on his, on his program, they will place people. In, they'll say, go visit this church. Go visit this church. Go visit this church. And I just thought to myself, a lot of people get a lot of bad rap. I'd never heard that before. I was a negative Nancy when it came to Joel Osteen. I'm like, he doesn't, love, he doesn't know. He doesn't believe. in All the things that people say, I just repeated it. And so until you get to know someone, you really can't say anything about that. Okay? And so I don't know if that, like, I don't, I'm not like here today to, I'm not like a, I'm not, I don't have like a Joel Osteen tattoo. I don't know if you're like, hey, this guy's gone the deep end. But I just thought it was so powerful that he wanted, the, he wanted to have an attitude of excellence. And, and he said, I just, he goes, I believe that I'm reaping all the things, that, all the effort and energy that my dad put into what, what he put into. And he goes, I, and so anyways, he said, I believe the gospel. I believe the good news. And here's what, I want, here's what I want to say to you. If we believe the good news, why don't we share it as much as we should share it? He said, I just want to get it out there to everybody. I want to get it out there to everybody. Do, do, do you want to get out there to everybody? And do we want to get out there to everybody? And we'll find out if we do in just a few moments. The Bible talks about getting the good news out there in Matthew chapter 26. This is Palm Sunday. They came into the, Jesus came into town. People were not expecting Jesus to come in on a donkey. It was prophesied. People, weren't, people were expecting it to be something completely different. And I want to let you know that sometimes that we expect Jesus to come through in a certain kind of way. And it doesn't always come the way we think he should come. And it would be, nice be nice if it did. It would be nice if, it, he, if he worked the way we thought he should work. But you and, I would make, you and I are not good gods. He is. And so he can do it the way that he wants to do it. Matthew chapter 26. What a powerful passage of scripture. Jesus and the disciples are hanging out. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. The Bible says this. Jesus went with them to Olive Garden. He did. I want to make sure you're paying attention. He went with them to the Olive, Olive Grove called... Guessing, I got to make sure you guys aren't slipping. I'm not slipping. My wife did. Remember last week I told you guys I'm, I gotta, I'm bad at reading? My wife did buy me a new Bible. I have the large print Bible now. It's, it's, I'm at that age now. And um, I didn't think it was going to come at 35, 36, however old I am. I forgot about 33, but I think I'm 36 now. And, and I, 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 at Amazon, she goes, hey, I, I was listening to your sermon. I said, how do I know you were listening to my sermon? She goes, you said you needed a bigger Bible. He goes, I got you a big Bible. She knows I like big Bibles and I cannot lie. But now I got a big Bible and I can actually read the words on the thing. I didn't bring it with me today because I, I got a it's not ready yet. i got to break that thing in a little bit. But this right here, I love this word in this passage of Scripture in here today. Because in Matthew chapter 6, verse 36, the Bible says, They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said this, Sit right, sit right here while I, go over, while I go over there. I know what it's like to tell people to sit and them not to sit because I've got twins. I remember those early days, I'd put one here, I would put one there, and then one would run away. I would go get it and put it down. By the time I'd put it down... I, when you have twins, you can call them it and boy and girl. But then I would run. I would go get them. I would chase them down. I'd go back and forth. And Jesus said, hey, guys, you're an adult. Sit right there, and I'll be right back. If Jesus tells you to sit right there, you got to listen. you got to listen. I mean, he's the God of the universe. You, if you want to get, you know, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't mind getting punished by my principal. I hated getting punished by my dad. It hurt a lot worse for my dad. But you don't want to, when Jesus tells you to sit right there and listen, you want to you wanna be, be obedient. He goes, I'm going to go over there, and I'm going to pray. I don't know if you're a prayer in here tonight. I don't know if you're a prayer in here or not, but you ought to pray. Like, give me one good reason, because Jesus did. 
I don't really know if, this, if Jesus Christ needed prayer, don't we need prayer? That was a freebie. Like, that was just, that just kind of popped out at me, just kind of stood there. Jesus went to pray. We don't pray that much. You know what we do most of the time instead of praying? What do we do? We worry. And the Bible knew we were going to worry, so Jesus says, don't worry. He says, don't worry. He actually says the opposite. Cast your cares on me because I care for you. Instead of worrying, we should be, we should be praying because Jesus did. He took Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, Peter, James, and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He knows, about the, he knows what's about to happen. He knows this is his last week of his life on this earth before the cross. And I know the anxiety. Like, I, I remember the anxiety of when I knew my dad was going to come home and spank my bottom, I got anxious. It was going to be a bad day. Now, I know Jesus knows things are about to end, and he's a little bit nervous, a lot nervous. He's worried. He's scared because he was fully God, but he was also fully man. At the same exact time, that's what I love about our God. He's not just, not just God, but he's also man. Jesus is the flesh and skin and bone of God. And so he's there, and he's nervous. He's like, man, this is going to be painful. This is going to hurt. This is going to be really, really, really bad for me. So he begins to get anguished. And when Jesus gets anguished and Jesus gets distressed, he does two things. He either rests or he prays. That's freebie for you today. When, things were t- when he was tired and worried, he would say, guys, I'm going to go take a nap. I'll catch you on the other side. You remember the story in the Bible where he's on the, in the boat. He's downstairs. He's sleeping in the boat. And they're like, where's Jesus at? Wake him up. The winds are going crazy. He was sleeping. And now we see another time in his life where things are, where things are pretty tough and things are pretty bad. And now we see him praying. We rest and we pray. You guys are great workers. You work really hard. Congratulations. Everyone can do that. But most people, they're tired and they're not prayed up. And when you're not tired and you're not prayed up, you make bad decisions. That's not even in the message. Verse 38, he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death, literally. Stay here and keep watching me. One time. 39, he went on a little bit further. He bowed it with his face to the ground, praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Here's what he said. This is so important. Jesus is not that far from these disciples. When you study this, you realize that he's just, he can see him. He's within an eye shot of, of where they're at, but he's over there. He's praying. I don't know what kind of prayer he's having, but he don't want them to kind of hear. Like he's having some serious, serious prayer time with God. And you and I need to have some serious prayer time. And that may not happen in church. It may not happen around your friends. You may ask your friends to pray for you. You may ask your family to pray for you. But sometimes you need to have some of those moments where you get in the closet and you have a one-on-one conversation with God when, things, when, when everything's hitting the fan. One of those conversations. The deeper your problems, the deeper you should go in who God is. So he's like, man, I am in trouble. He can see them. And here's the message in there. Here's another message in this passage of Scripture. Whenever you're going through your toughest days, Jesus is not that far from you. We can relate with tough days because we all have them. He's not that far from you. The Bible says he's actually near you. I love the message translation in the book of Psalms. Psalms says, if you ever feel like you've been been punched in the gut, Jesus is right there. Whenever you feel like you're out of breath, Jesus is right there. I love that. Scripture, that message translation. Here's what he says. So he went a little farther. He f- faced down, I want your will to be done, God, but not mine. He goes, if, it's, if, if, this, if this cup can pass from me, then let it pass from me. Verse 40. Then he returned to the disciples, and he found them asleep. He said to Peter, bro, what are you doing? Couldn't you watch for one hour? Keep watch and pray, so that you will be not given into, into temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Come on, man. Come on, man, like ESPN. Come on, man. Like, you can't stay awake a little bit longer. This is, the t- this is one of the toughest days of my life, one of the toughest days of my life. Good Friday is coming. This is one of the th- and you can't, you can't pray for me? How many, I'm going to ask you a question today. How many friends you got that would pray for you? 
What kind of friend are you? What kind of friends do you have? Do you have some people that just would, would, it's easy to have friends that will pray for you. you. have some friends that will show up and stay awake with you on your tough days, on your bad days. First, uh, verse 42, he says this. <clears throat> then Jesus left the second time and he prayed, my father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. Verse 43. When he turned to them again, he found them sleeping for they couldn't keep their eyes open. Strike two. Strike two. Yesterday I was in the front yard and I was throwing a baseball at my son. He was hitting it. You're like, what is wrong with you? It was a soft little Nerf kind of ball, but I was throwing it to him. I got on, on my story, Martha saw, I was throwing backdoor sliders on him. Like, I want to strike my kid out. That's kind of daddy. I'm like, I don't want my kid to be like, here, son, hit this ball. 12th place trophy. Like, I'm Nolan Ryan, that thing. I'm just, I mean, high leg kick. I mean, I'm throwing curveballs, fastball sliders, and I'm changing it up. Like, we're having a good old time. He got so serious, my son. I don't know what's wrong with my boys, but when it gets serious, their shirts come off. I don't know if that's just a boy thing or what, but he's just like, he takes his shirt off. The little four-and-a-half-year-old boy, he came up. His name is Judah. He rolls up, and he's like, your shirt's off? I'm taking my shirt off. And I'm like, well, fine. If y'all are doing it. And then I took my shirt off. Like, everyone took their shirts off. But I'm throwing this baseball, and I'm like, hey, man, strike two guys. I've asked you to pray for me. Why can't you guys stay awake? Peter, you walked on water, but you can't stay awake? I mean, think about it. Like, I, I learned this recently. When we read the Bible, we got to look at what's around and what's going on. Peter... He walked on water, but he can't stay awake. Now, I know about not staying awake because I fall asleep in a movie theater. And I'm not even mad about it. You're like, why would you pay $9.50 to go fall asleep? It's comfortable. I don't care. I'll sleep anywhere. Like, I don't care how much it costs to get a good night's rest. You know what I'm saying? Like, he says, hey, why can't you stay awake, Peter? Dude, we've been, we've been through so much together. Remember, we, we fed 5,000 men, not counting women and children. You're asleep? Peter, you, you heal people, Peter. You're falling asleep? I mean, Peter, James, like James and John, I get why they're asleep. But Peter, like we walked on, we're like, we've been through some stuff together. I wonder if there's anyone here today that's been through some stuff and you're sleeping on Jesus. Verse 40, 43, he says this. <clears throat> when he returned to them again, he found them sleeping. For they could not keep their eyes open. There was a few weeks ago, there was a guy in the front row. He was falling asleep in church. How many of you guys have ever fallen asleep in church before? Like, let's be honest. Okay, fine. All the rest of you guys who aren't raising your hand, you're a liar. I'm just kidding. How many of you guys have ever seen someone fall asleep in church? Like, we, you see, like, this guy was second round. He was, and you, you know it's bad when you're going left or right. Like, that's a bad, because you, it's only one way down. Like, he's laughing because, like, I've been there before. Like, if you want to fall asleep in church, there's ways that you want to, you want to go forward, but you do not want to go left or right. There was a time in my life, some of you guys are not going to get this. How many of you guys grew up in a church where there were these nice, beautiful pews? How many of you guys remember pews? Like, if you don't know what a pew is, you need to go on a field trip. Next week, you get, a, you get a hall pass from this church. You get to go visit another church. You need to go visit a pew because there's these little, these little things in these pews. They hold paper. They hold pens. But there's two little holes in there. And I had to figure out what those two little holes were for. And those two holes are there in case you were falling asleep. You put your finger in there. You just kind of grab it. Like you just like anything to pass some time to make sure like what is going on. You just, you can put two fingers and you can just kind of, it's like pulling out your nostril. You just want to, you want to grab it. Some of you guys are like, you're wrong. I, I, I don't know if you've ever been to a Catholic church before. Catholic churches, they're so much nicer in Catholic churches. Because in Catholic churches, they have these things in the seat in front of you. You can peel out and you can put your feet on. Like, they are nice. Like, they are really nice. I'm just kidding. You don't put your feet on there. And the reason why I know you don't put your feet on there because I did that. I had no idea. I thought, bro, the Catholic church, they got dollar-dollar bills, y'all, because they got footrests. I'm like, if I'm going to build a church, we're going to have footrests. You know what I'm saying? Take your shoes off. You come up. I found out. The guy next to me hits me. He's like, you don't do that. That's disrespectful. I'm like, well, what are they there for? He's like, that's to kneel down and pray. I'm like, I had no idea. I think sometimes in life we're going through life and we got our feet up and we should be praying with Jesus. 
I think sometimes we're going through life and things are going quasi good or not good or not bad. And we, we're forgetting to spend some time with God. And we're saying, God, could you get me out of my situation? And God's saying, I don't want to change your situation. I want to change your spirit. Everyone, so many people, I mean, some of you, they want, oh, I wish, I wish my situation would change. I posted, uh, you, know, you know me, you guys have heard me talk about this before. Like, if you, if you get a flat tire, like, be thankful you have a car to get a flat tire. Like, all my stuff is really good to preach, except it's really hard for me to apply it sometimes. So two weeks ago, I get a call from the trailer place. Randy called, he's like, hey, trailer tire for the, for the trailer, <clears throat> tire's flat. No big deal. I said, hey, call the, call the trailer guy. He comes out, he fixes the tire for me. All good. That's on a Thursday. Gets fixed. I go pay the guy on a Friday. On Saturday, I get in my car. I drive here. I go to get our truck out there, Ford F-250. I go to get in the truck. The back tire's flat. You're like, this guy has got some sin in his life. Like, why, aren't things, why are things going so bad for our pastor? So, the back, so I get the back tire fixed. I get the air in it. I go, pick, pick, I go pick the trailer up. I get here. The tire stays all the way in. I come in on a Thursday. When I get here on Thursday, I go get the tire fixed. I came back Friday morning to put the Easter banner up out here, put some Easter signs out there. I have another flat tire on the same truck, but on the back tire. I'm like, God, what are you trying to show me? Something about threes. There is something about threes. It's the number of Trinity. Like, I'm like trying to like get super spiritual. It has nothing to do with number threes. It has everything to do with me driving over nails and tires. It's easy for me to trust God when things are going good, but do I trust God when things are going bad? It's easy for me to lean in, like, next week when everyone's here and their mom's here and we're renting chairs from, our, from my neighbor because he rents chairs out and it's packed, like, oh, go God, go God. But is it, is it my okay when not everyone shows up? And, like, do we trust God all the time or do we just trust God when things are going, when things are going good? I heard Mackenzie Milton last night, quarterback for the UCF, speak at an event last night. And he said this, it's easy to trust God when you're winning football games and championships. It's another thing to trust God when you have your knee dislocated and you have to have 10 surgeries. And the surgery that he had on his knee, half the people that have his kind of injury, typically have to, half the people have to have their leg amputated because it caused, it caused them to, to lose blood flow. He said it was so imperative that I, he goes, man, I could have got hurt anywhere. He goes, but I got hurt in Tampa. He said, in Tampa, they have some of the best surgeons in the country for, for my injury. He said, I want to praise God when things are good. But I want to praise things when God, I want to praise God when things are bad also. Yeah, but it's easier. I know you're thinking, it's easier to praise God when things are good. But do you praise God when things are, when things are bad? So this next part of the verse 43, he returned them again. He goes, guys, why are you sleeping again? Can't you keep your eyes open? Verse 44, it says this. So he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Verse 45, then he came to the disciples and he said, go ahead and sleep, guys. I'm sick of you. <laughs> That's, that's, that's code for I'm sick of you. You guys can't stay awake. Forget about you guys. Forget about it. He goes, have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's get going. My betrayer is here. Judas is about to sell your boy out. It's over. Things are, it, this, is, this, this, is, this was our last meal. <clears throat> this was your last time to, to pray for me. Can I ask you a question? How would you live your life if you only had one week to live? You got one week to live, how would you live your life? And we're gonna do a trial period this week. We're gonna do a trial period this week. You got one week to live. How are you gonna live your life? And then when you get to next week, you can, you can re-up again. Are you gonna be the kind of person that spends your life giving out the good news? Or are you gonna be to spend the rest of your life taking in the bad news and then giving out the bad news and then taking in the bad news 
and then giving out the, the bad news. Last night I was at this event and the pastor um, from uh, the church, Emmanuel Church, where the guy walked in and, and killed, I think, seven or nine people there at that church. He said, I was at home the night that happened. I wasn't at Bible study, the pastor of that church. He said that young man walked in. People walked in with him and said, man, we're so glad you're here today. And he took out a, he took out a gun and, and, he, and, he sh- and he shot those people. And he said, he said um, I got a phone call. He goes, I got in my car and I drove as fast as I could to get to the church. When I got to the church, more of my church members were showing up because I only lived five minutes from the church. I got there and they wouldn't let me go inside. He goes, and I found out the reason why they wouldn't let me go inside was because my wife was one of the people that got shot in that church. He said, and five grown men had to hold me back from going in there. He said, you know, a couple days went by, and, you know, it got to the point where the, the, there was the bond hearing. This guy had served 20-plus years, retired um, in the, in the, um, in, in the, um, as a corrections officer. So he said, I've been to bond hearings before. He goes, when I got to that, I went to, he goes, I didn't want to go to the bond hearing. But my kids said, hey, you have to go to the bond hearing. And I told my kids, I'm your dad. You listen to me. You know, you're not telling me what to do. And he said, I went to the bond hearing. He said, when I got there, everyone was saying something on behalf of their family. He goes, and these people were getting there saying, I forgive you. We forgive you for killing our mom. We, for kill, we forgive you for killing our sister. We forgive you for killing her. And he was just going down the road, and they were just screaming. He goes, is there anyone here on the behalf of this pastor's last name, his wife that I Is there anybody? And he goes, he goes, I just kept my hands in my pocket. I just kept sitting there. And my kids go, my dad's here. <laughs> he said, the last thing I, he's, I looked at him, he's like, the last thing I told you guys, y'all aren't supposed to say anything when we go in there. We just sit there and we be quiet. And he said, God told me to get up and go up and say something. He goes, I went up there, and I went up there, and I, I let that young man know that I forgave him. He said, I forgive you. He said, you know what I learned? That forgiveness is the only kind of medicine that you can give yourself. He said, me forgiving them, he goes, it gave me some sort of healing that I, that I didn't know that I needed. And it healed me. He goes, it changed, it changed me. And here's what Jesus knew. Jesus was saying to God, God, is there a better way? 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 And God said, no, there's not a better way. No, there's not a better way. No, there's not a better way. Because Jesus knew that the cross could change everything. Jesus knew that the cup was all about the cross. The cup is all about the cross. Jesus is like, man, if you let the cup pass from you, then you can't get to the, then you can't get to the cross. You, you, the cup, this cup's imperative. Here's why this cup's imperative. This cup's imperative because one day Al Janey is going to need the gospel, and he's going to meet the gospel, and he's going to give the gospel to his son Dustin, or to his son uh, David, and David was going to give the gospel to his four kids, and his four kids were going to get the gospel, and that's my wife's, that's my in-laws, and then, those, that, then his kids, Diana and her kids, they're going to give the gospel to their kids, and I'm going to keep on investing in my kids, and I want my kids to give the gospel to their kids, and I want the gospel to continue to keep on going, keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. But if you're in here today, and you're saying, God, let this cup pass from me, then they're not going to get the cross. What I want to let you know today, that the cup is all about the cross, but you and I, we're in here today, and we're saying to Jesus, will you let this cup pass from me? The only way for your friends to hear about Jesus is if you share the cup. That's the only way to do it. The only way for your friend to meet Jesus and your kids to meet Jesus and your neighbors to meet Jesus and your coworkers and your boss is if you share the cup. The cup can't pass from you. You've got to take the cup. My question for you today is, are you sharing the cup? we got a lot of people out there, they're passing cups, but they're passing the wrong kind of cup. You and I have the gospel. Are we passing that out? Are we sharing that to people? I'm so, I'm so glad that Nelson and Jenny at this church because you need people around you like them. They push me into reaching more people, into investing in more people, into inviting more people. I needed that. 
We are going into a season of our church right now. We have gone through a lot of spiritual growth, a lot of spiritual growth, a lot of spiritual growth, but I am sensing spiritual warfare in our church, and it's, it's happening, and I'm dealing with it, and I'm praying through it, and I'm dealing with it, and I got people praying for me, and, and there's a little bit of spiritual warfare going right now, and we're trying to help people, and, and it, the enemy's attacking marriages, and the enemy's attacking young kids, and the enemy's attacking families. The enemy's doing all those things. He, he's, he is putting the full court press on, but I also sense there's a season where people are realizing they gotta bring their friends to church. I'm sensing that. I just, I just, I told Nelson, I said, there's something about there's, I, I just sent, I, it's my job, it's, it's God's job to give me vision. It's my job to share the vision. And the vision that I'm sensing from God's God saying, hey, there's some people, your people want to start bringing their friends to church. Just keep reminding them. Just keep on reminding them. <clears throat> remind them. I'm here today to remind you the cup is about you sharing the cross. The cup's all about the cross. Are you sharing that? Diana said to me, Wes, I don't ever want to forget that we do this because heaven is real and so is hell. They're both real places. We wanna make sure as many people as possible meet Jesus before they die. Because when you die, it's too late. When, you're died, when you die, you're dead. And when you're dead, it's too late. We wanna make sure everyone gets the good news. We've got somewhere to go. We've got someone to, the cup is all about the cross. Can I ask you a question today? Are you saying to God about your neighbors, God let someone else invite them? Are you saying to, 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 your, to God, hey, God, would you, would you just, would, can somebody else invite my son, my daughter, my friends to church? Are you saying that? Or are you saying, you know what, this is, this is my cup. This is my cup, and I'm going to share it. Jesus had to get to the place where he's like, all right, God, I get it. No one, this is my cup. I get it. The cross, I get it. Understand it. Down the cross, resurrection, I get that. The cup is all about the cross. I want to say this to you. Here's the second thing. The cross is all about love. It's all about love. I need you to know in here today, and I, I say stuff to you that you don't know, and I say stuff to you that you may know, but you don't believe. It happens all the time. I say stuff to you that I think I need to make sure you get. There are people in here, they're smiling on the outside, but you're dying on the inside. And the only way to change it is to embrace the love that God has for you. And when you embrace the love that God has for you, it's about embracing the cross. You gotta embrace the cross. You know, Jesus carried his own cross to, the, to, the, to, his, to, to his death. He had to carry his own cross. It'd be like you and I going to the, going to the it'd be like the modern day, you, you, you strapping an electric, electric chair onto your shoulders or that for a lethal injection, it's a, it's a suitcase with these X amount of shots. It'd be like you walking around with that. Jesus carried that cross on his, on his back. He had to carry, he got so heavy, he was fully God, but he was fully man. I think I need to make sure you guys get that. He was fully God, but he was fully man at the same exact time, which makes him God. He got so heavy that he was like, hey, guy on the side, some guy on the side had to pick up the cross and carry it for him. What I want you and I to know here today is that we can have an opportunity and we can help pick up the cross. And the way that we do that is we share about God's love. We share about God's love. Now, here's what I need you to know. This is one more thing. This is, this is probably more discipleship than anything, but... <clears throat> I'm all about God's love. I'm all about God's love. I'm all about God's love. But if it is as good as we say it is, it should change us. It should make you look different. I don't go everywhere that everybody else goes. Wanna know why I don't go where everybody else goes? Because the, the cross has changed me. I don't look at what everybody else looks at because the cross has changed me. If his love is that good, I wanna be different. If his love is that good, it can change you. It's, his love's extravagant. It's incredible. That's, I want it to change me. 
I treat my wife the way Jesus treats the church, with love. That's the way I treat her. I do my best. Now, his love's unconditional, mine's not. I do my best. I really do my best to love my wife. I, I really do. I want to honor my wife, protect her, provide for her, respect her, honor I want to do all those things. I do all that because, because of God's love, not because I'm a good person. Because good people don't do that. I know a lot of good people that don't honor their wives and respect their wives. They're still good people. Only godly people can do those things because it takes help. Hardest thing you can do in life is be married. You're laughing because it's true. Like there's a little bit of truth to it. Is that, how, is that what you told me? Like make it a little bit funny, like make it a little bit true. Like that's it. It's the hardest thing you'll do. I got in the car with my wife this week. Real talk. <clears throat> I got my phone out. I'm in Atlanta, Randy, which to be honest, it's Atlanta. It's gonna be a little bit hard for anybody. Even the people who live in Atlanta, it's hard for them. Get in the rental car. I said, hey, is the address 2412? Yeah, that's it. I put in my phone, I hit go. I missed a turn. I made a U-turn. My sweet wife takes her phone out and she starts directions. And I go, huh, huh, it's code for put your stupid phone away. That's what that hunts for. So I take my phone, hit end, end directions. She goes, which way do you want to go? I said, you know what? Whatever your phone says, babe. That's, what I want, that's the way I want to go. <laughs> this is real talk, right? You guys, are, hopefully this is helping somebody, set somebody free. She goes, she's like this. She goes, um, now this direction says if we, if we go this way, we can actually save 15 minutes off of our, off our time. I said, whatever you want to do. Then she goes, what is wrong with you? I said, what's wrong with me is that you have the desire to control you have a desire to control. Like, I'm going deep, right? Like, Nelson's like, this kid is not smart, but he's bold. You know what I'm saying? And so I was like, you, you need control. And she's like, no, I don't. I'm like, you do. You need control because you have to take your phone out and you have to have directions. Well, you missed two turns. I said, I missed one turn. I said, if you, I said, you know my phone is on. And my direction is the same as your directions. I said, I've got on this snazzy little rental car. Like, it's, it's, it's telling everybody, everyone in the car, me and you, we all know my phone's on. And she's like, I just don't understand why you'd be so mad about that. I'm like, I don't understand why you got your phone out. <laughs> I, sh I need Jesus. <laughs> we all do. Because he makes us better. He makes us better. But I don't want you just to be better. I want your life to be changed. And he changes things. Lives healed. Hope found. Jesus, you change everything. We want that for you. The cross does that for us.